Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on? Just living the dream. Welcome back. I'm back. Yeah. So, well, since you're back, we're going to address a very interesting and important topic in the world of technology and brought in a specialist to help with us today. It's a big topic. We're missing half the workforce. I know we really are. And as someone who has a daughter, this is a near and dear yeah. to my heart. So we have Jennifer Wadella, uh, the founder and president of the Kansas City Women in Technology Group. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. How are you? Oh, all right. Starting starting right into it. Going to have to teach you guys something to take out of your vocabulary. What'd we do? Stop saying, because I have a daughter. Oh. Because all of a sudden, the only reason you think women are human beings is because you have a daughter and can now relate to us as a species. Like, <laughs> all right, take that shit out of your vocabulary. Man. Respect us as humans and not just because you know a woman. I'm in trouble right away. I don't I'm, have a daughter. Oh, so on. I'm going I'm... to get the counter out. Yeah. I'm, I don't have a daughter. What... So does that mean I'm not in trouble? As long as you don't do any boneheaded shit, you're fine. <laughs> well, you know, I say that it's not that it was ever due to a lack of respect for well, of women, as I almost pour coffee all over the studio and the soundboard. But no, I and you know, I, I will actually say that on some levels, um, because I do have a daughter, it did change my worldview on a lot of things. Um because you're largely unaware of the way we experience the world until then. Maybe mm-hmm. on some levels and maybe more so on a level of like fear. Well, I'm in the same sense. Yeah. There's because I have a son, there are things that are different about my view on the world because I have a son. It goes both ways. Yeah, but it was different. I mean, it was, I'll just admit it. I mean, but you know, I've always considered myself to be a fair and, you know, attempt to be a well-rounded person. So here we are. So as far as, as the KC Women in Technology group, like how did that, you, you're clearly passionate on the subject. <laughs> I don't <laughs> so, hold punches, that's so, for sure. And that's fine. We welcome that here. Um, so, I mean, what, what brought you into this? Clear, you, you are a developer mm-hmm. and is it Batovi? Yep. Okay. So um, I think we could probably get into some of the, you know, the why here. Like, Absolutely. So for those of you that are listening, you may or may not be aware, but in the world of technology, it's, it's kind of dude centric. Dude, I mean, dude, yeah. dude, yeah. dude, dude. Yeah. And I mean, we, it's, we ha- well, it depends on what part of the country you're in too. Or like the world. In, in Kansas city, it's mostly every kind of white dude. Yeah. Now, if you go to like California, it's probably mostly everything but white dudes there's a lot of international sure. talent there um in the midwest it's mostly caucasian even yeah um not a lot of diversity not a lot of women um and there's a huge part of the you know potential workforce that's not in technology yeah uh so kansas city women in technology i founded about six and a half years ago now Um, And the big thing for me was I was always into computers, always into technology, but nobody ever pointed that out to me as a viable career path. So I am a self-taught engineer, you know, taught myself, picked myself up from the ground up. Um, And I had kind of finally lasted, uh, 
left a, a place and landed my first big job at a, a big company where there are other developers, other people who wrote code. Because before I had normally been like the in-house web designer and developer. And as far as everybody else knew, I like had gone to Hogwarts for school and was doing witchcraft and that's how the internet happened. Um, so it was really eye-opening for me to be in an environment um, full of other developers and, and really get into the Kansas City tech community, which is one of the best communities in the world, hands down. Um, and it was just really, really inviting. Uh, but as Matt said, whole lot of white dudes, uh, yeah. not a lot of women who look like me. And so I not only wanted to figure out a way to give back to my community, but to help women find solidarity and, and find, you know, women who shared their struggles. And so that was kind of the origin of Kansas City Women in Technology. Sure. And I mean, overall, the, I mean, the world of technology isn't the only um, isn't the only field that suffers from a lack of diversity in some regards. No, I mean, it's been every field since even acting in the Shakespeare era. Sure. So it's just, it, it takes time and energy and effort and uh, dealing with the pushback. So, you know, at, we have an office in the Philippines and we've got a whole lot of employees over there. And I, I and you know, I should have done the math. We have a lot of female developers over there. We do. We have, we have a, lot a lot of female employees too that technically work in tech. Honestly, um, like at Stackify, we like twenty five people. Never had a female developer in Kansas City, but we have yeah. a few in the Philippines. Yeah, and and we have quite a few on our on our team, um, just in general. And I, and I say that we we have a couple female developers on our support team yeah. that are like support engineers, right. as we would call them. Yeah, and overall, we've got quite a few in Kansas that, City. Quite a few developers, testers, um, a lot of project managers, mm -hmm. um, and then yeah. So I probably should have done the numbers on that. So, you know, you talk about founding, uh, do you refer to it as WIT? We sometimes? call it Casey WIT. We're very, okay. like, we are Kansas City Women in sure. Technology. Our mission is to grow the number of women in tech careers in the Kansas City area. We're very big about, you know, building talent here, keeping talent here, and helping Kansas City grow by not outsourcing things. Sure. So, and when you say outsourcing, you mean outside of Kansas City in mm -hmm. general? Okay. Absolutely. Like, we were hemorrhaging you know, really talented people to the coast for a long time. Yeah. And one of the best strengths we have is our community and building that up and giving people a place that they feel like they can grow um, whatever their career is, whether that's skill set, whether that's leadership. Um, so I think that's really important and we need to invest in our own community. As, as part of that, do you help recruit people to Kansas City? Um, it, it's happened before, or a lot of what happens is a lot of, um, people hear about what we do as an organization here in Kansas city. And they're like, how do we emulate that? And so that's kind of the weird situation we're in. Um, we try and do outreach to places like Springfield and, you know, um, some smaller towns nearby us. Um, cause I, I have a friend who, uh, fits this exact example. She lives in Columbia, mm -hmm. Missouri, and originally from Kansas city. She's worked in it for several years. But she's scared to death uh, to come back here just for she's scared of who she would work for, the work environment as a, as a female and what that team dynamic would be like. Well, you and... can let her know that we have a very strong whisper network. Um, Kansas City Women in Technology does uh, post jobs to our website. And I've had employers reach out to me and they're like, we want to pay to put a job on your board. And I'm like, no, we will not post your jobs because you're a toxic work environment. Um, and then I will ask for companies to prove to me not only what their diversity strategies are, but what their inclusion strategies are can, to ensure that doesn't happen. Can you define a, what's a whisper network? Oh, boy. Um, so here's what happens is women get sexually harassed or, you know, underpaid or all sorts of things. And if they speak out vocally about that, uh, they get torn apart for it. Uh, and so what a whip, 
whisper network is, is a way that people tell each other uh, places to not go. You watch out, you keep an eye out for each other. Like this is a lot of what we saw with Harvey Weinstein and being sexually harassed. There was a whisper network against him. And a lot of actresses heard about that and knew how to avoid him. We have the exact same thing in the tech industry, whether it's conferences not to speak at, um, speakers that are known for predatory behavior, companies that are known to be toxic, sexist environments. We we talk about that. So why are people so fucking creepy? Well, and as a oh, the stories I have. Yeah, I well, and as, as a as a woman, like my friend I was mentioning, I mean her her issue is she doesn't want to go work on a team full of nothing but dudes and be the first female employee on the team. Like that's a concern. Yeah, I will say this for Kansas City though, and I kind of joke about this a lot because we get asked about like startup bro culture and tech bro culture, and I feel like ours is a little better just because in the Midwest people tend to get younger, and then their wives have trained the men to be a little bit more um, aware. And so I feel like there's a lot less adversity that we face in the Midwest because of those quote unquote family values than some of the behavior you see out on the coast. Yeah. I imagine, imagine in a place like Silicon Valley where the average developer is probably young and single mm-hmm. and it's and a different Stanford and it's a different work environment and a different, a little different culture of people as well. So yep. imagine it's a little different. So what are the root causes? It's more like- family oriented here. A lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, a lot of a lot more married people that have kids, much more family orientation here. Yeah, but as so a developer, less shaming if you have to take off work. To go more take life work balance here. Well, I think that, yeah, but that doesn't get down to like what the root problem was because this problem was created 20, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Like, because people that are entering the workforce now, I mean, granted, not everyone decided what they wanted to do for a career when they were six. But we start pushing kids towards doing certain things. And, you know, um, you know, back to the, you know, like having a, 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 a different kind of worldview. So my, I have, my daughter's four and a half and, you know, I, and, you know, I, these articles catch my eye and stuff like that. So like when kids are like around, they get to kindergarten, they start developing, you know, this strange gender identity that starts to push them in the directions that, you know, like, oh, this is what girls do and this is what boys do. And I've actually like, so my daughter's name is Dylan. Um, I always tell her, you know, I'm like, you know, there's no such thing as that's what a girl does and that's what a boy does. Cause I don't want her to come up and run into this stuff. I'm like, I'm going to teach her how to punch it right in the face. And, but at some point that clearly wasn't occurring, but at the same time, we didn't push a lot of people towards technology. There's a huge talent shortage. Well, um, NPR actually put out a really interesting article where they researched this because everybody's like, okay, women actually used to be a lot more predominant in the industry, especially if you see the movie like Hidden Figures. You know, women were pioneers um, once computing became a real profession. But still treated really unfairly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, we were dealing with way worse of sexism issues back then. Um, like now you'll just get doxxed and it's fine. Um, if you haven't figured out by now, I'm pretty sarcastic about this stuff. But um, so NPR did this really interesting (laughs) study and they were kind of figuring out like when this drop hop happened and one of their theories, because there's, there's so many reasons contributing to this, this women in tech problem. Um, But one of the big reasons is because home computers came out and they were marketed exclusively to boys like 60s and 70s were where we really started to see a lot of gender based marketing, Um, things that were targeted to boys specifically, things that were targeted to girls specifically and computers, electronics, video games were for boys. Um, And so what happened is these households are getting these computers, the boys are growing up with the computers, Um, the same amount of boys and girls are going into college wanting to study computer science, but the girls never having a home computer before are already at a default and then not being treated well by professors like I still hear horror stories to this day and age 
lineage of the way computer science professors are treating women in class. It's, it's obnoxious. Um, but so that kind of behavior and mentality really crept in and started causing a lot of problems. And then you talk about gender-based marketing. Um, I know we haven't talked about any of the programs Kansas City Women in Technology runs, but one of the ones uh, we're really famous for is our Coder Dojo program, uh, which is teaching all kids, regardless of gender identity, uh, K through 12, how to code. Um, and we have pretty good diversity stats there, but when we'll be promoting this event, we'll be approached by parents a lot of the times so that'll say, oh, I don't think my daughter would like that, but maybe I'll bring my son. And so like we have parents, like these are parents in, in our school districts in the area that I'm hearing this from. Um, and so of course our, our way to solve this was to create coding cupcakes. It's pink, it's girly. All of a sudden the parents think it's appropriate for girls, even though I still have, you know, six-year-old and seven-year-old girls creating websites in GitHub and deploying it via the command line to GitHub pages. Um, but it, marketing matters. Hmm. I do have a pink laptop. You do. It's technically rose gold, but that's what I have. People it's tell cute. me it's pink a lot. Hey, I thought I was buying something that was a little more gold, but you know, I own it. I'm cool with it. People point it out to me regularly, but I'm going to blame it on gender-based marketing. That's valid. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, you know, we, we've had, we've broached the topic just of technology and the shortage of tech in general. And like, it's, I mean, it's a known fact that any market in North America does not have the amount of technology workers that they need negative unemployment. That's yep. part of why we it was like 200,000 people or something. 250,000. And that was 000. an old report. It's gotten worse. So, you know, and then some of the things too. So, you know, these are, these are generational problems. These are problems that we started 20 years ago and, you know, at full scale. And I understand like with Casey wet wanting to keep things local. And then some of the stuff that we do at full scale is trying to build around the teams that people have already built. Cause they just don't can't find the find anybody. Yep. A lot of folks come in and talk to us and they say, well, you know, these STEM programs that I'm like, okay, cool. So we will have a bunch of entry level developers that will enter the market in 15 years and, you know, stuff like that. So what, so what do you think are the top things? Okay. I get like the coding and cupcakes and stuff like that. Now to be kind of red team on that, that's still kind of sexist though. Like, it's like saying like, Hey, we got to have it be pink. We got to be cupcakes. No, like, no, no. Do, you missed we... my point. My point is the parents are already writing off something as not for girls until you make it pink. Yeah. The code underneath is the same, but like the only way we can fight gender-based marketing is by turning it on its head and using it. Sure. So it, I'm not saying we have to pinkify things, but for people that are rejecting the idea of coding or STEM for girls, sometimes you have to market to them. Sure. And we're, we're and, reaching and the I, and goal I don't at the end of the day. I don't disagree with that. But what are some other solutions do you think that can occur? Like, I mean, I think that just basically all kids need to be doing this kind of stuff. Oh, for sure. You know, it's like the idea that I don't know. I mean, I and I get it. There's there's I mean, there's so many things that there's other well, what are, you know, we have technology. Now, when we talk about technology, are we just talking about people that write code and that are programmers? Or are we just pe talking about people that work with technology companies too? Well, if I explain our approach, so obviously we have our kid-focused programs, um, but then we have an adult-focused program called Coding and Cocktails. And this is for women um, who are wanting to code. And this uh, attendee base is made up of, uh, let's say, women who are in the creative field. They might be graphic design wanting to transition into development. So they're career-ready. They're ready to be employed. Um, we have a lot of women who maybe were in the technology industry a couple of years ago, took some time off to have a family, have come back in and were like, oh my God, what the fuck have you all done to JavaScript? Like you're compiling everything now um, and don't know how to get back in. Uh, and then we have women who are just in the technology field in general. Maybe they're in, in marketing or something like that. And they're like, they see the power of being able to write code. 
Um, so that makes up our attendee base for coding and cocktails. So that is really shortening that pipeline that you talked about, because it's one thing to teach kids to code, but again, 15 years before they're employable, right? right? We've got women who have got all these business skills and knowledge from being in the workforce who just need that coding piece of it. Um, to learn how to function. And so we have that program sells out every month at 84 women trying to get in to learn how to code. The other piece of that- what was that called again? Coding in cocktails. The other piece of this is that's really important is of of all STEM careers, technology has the highest dropout rate for women at at the mid-level. So at the level where they're really getting into their career, they might be um, advancing to management. Women technology are dropping out at astoundingly high rates. Part of that is sexism in the industry. Part of that is family pressure because, you know, we're still the ones in charge of a household. We're not as progressive as a society yet to be at that that equal point. Um, and so these women are dropping out. They're dropping out for being the only woman and sick of having that fight and fighting that fight every day alone. Uh, so all of our programs have a he- heavy mentoring component where these women who are in their careers already can come and mentor at our programs. They get that sense of community. They get to build others. And I cannot tell you how many times I've been approached by a woman who's gotten involved with our organization and said, I was getting ready to quit technology until I found you all. And that's the power of community. And so that's what we need to be doing to make sure that while we're building a workforce, we're not losing the women already in it. And that's really key. Okay. Matt, you got any comments there? I think building talent is uh, is really important. And, and as you mentioned, there's a lot of positions in tech that aren't necessarily writing code. They're yeah. like project management, business analysts, like StackFi has support engineers. Sure. Like it's a sort of customer service support a sort of development role I mean, there and you know database administrator like there's all these different roles in it and that's what's great about it is you can do a lot of different things you so know, that leads to our last program that's on a monthly basis which is our networking events that are tech talks and they cover everything you just described um, so everything from what it looks like to be a business analyst to a project manager to even talking about working remote. Um, so all those other tech careers, we have panelists that we get from very diverse backgrounds, whether that's age, um, color, gender, to talk about their careers. So audiences can better understand all these different facets of technology. Um, where, where do people sign up for these programs? Um, if you go to kcwomenintech.org slash events, our entire events calendar is there. Most of our events are on Eventbrite. We're also on Meetup. Um, so everything I've described, we run about four events a month, um, like ev- all year long, uh, January through November. And then we run several weekend long coding workshops or just other peripheral activities. And what? those are all found once again at kcwomenintech.org. Yep. Slash events. If and you sure. want to get directly to it. And the great thing about this is, um, no matter what your role is in business these days, having some, even just understanding of programming, uh, is super useful as, you know, say a product owner. Like, right. you know, you have experience of this, right? Where it's like, okay, I'm working with development teams. The more I understand about what they do, how they do it, how it works, all that is hugely valuable. Um, just understanding any of it is is super useful in the in the workplace um, and, and has a whole lot of, of uses. The other thing that I think we'll see more and more of is people who are business professionals that are using kind of no code, low code type solutions. Like, so going in and you're customizing salesforce.com or, or whatever, that kind of stuff. Um, you don't have to be a hardcore software engineer to do that. Some pretty basic training can, can teach a lot of people to do that stuff. And those are all, again, things that can be done. We need more and more people that can do all of these things. I mean, there's not one solution. It's a very broad problem that can be, uh, you know, improved in a lot of different ways. 
So Jennifer, what are a few things, if, if a woman is looking for a job with a technology company, what are a few things or places like how it, I'll role play. I'll be, <laughs> okay. I'll be her. Okay. I'll be her. So I'm looking for a job and there's all these tech companies, obviously tech's so huge right now. What do I want to like, what do I really want to look at? What are the red flags or places or things that I need to look out for to make sure I don't end up in a bad place. Oh gosh. And and this is all heavily known in the whisper network, which is why I'm laughing. Uh, but number one, red flag talk of rockstar developers. That is like the biggest red flag for a culture that endorses coding as many hours a day as possible. Is the term rockstar developer? Rockstar developer. Yes. And this has been heavily scrutinized in the internet. Are like, ninja developers okay? Ninja developers are fine. Okay. Um, I would assume ninjas uh, have a bit more like understanding of, of balance. By the way, I've never used the term rockstar developer. I have used the term ninja. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. like twice. So rockstar developer is a is a pretty pretty big deal. Anytime they talk about like beer pong or beer or beer outings or ping pong or all sorts of things as culture and and people don't see, but I'm air quoting culture. Red flag again because that's again that very bro grammar culture that you hear. Bro grammar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Is that a term um, you're familiar with? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, other red flags would be not having a lot of women in leadership. Um, not, well, I don't know. I should say um, it, it helps to look at the kind of organizations they do, but I have walked into a quote unquote community focused startup in town, and that was one of the most toxic, abusive startups I've ever worked at. Um, and they did have a uh, ping pong culture heavily promoted. Um, but some of the green flags you can look for anytime I see paternity leave. Not maternity leave, but paternity leave specifically called out um, tells me that this is a workplace that not only is going to be okay with family balance, but understands the importance of men doing their equal share of work as a parent for women to be successful in, in the industry. Um, so that's a big deal for me. So that's a that's a green flag. That is a big waving green flag. Okay. Yep, absolutely. Um, so that's something really important to look for. Um, number of women in leadership. Um, and, you know, it, it helps to just feel out your network and talk to people who've worked there, see how long people have stayed there on LinkedIn. Um, like, you know, if you know, it's bad if like people are leaving within six months, like that's, that's another really big issue. Do you issue. think that sites like Glassdoor and stuff like that do a good job of, of detailing what things were like? I think they do and they don't. Um, and that's, and that's tough sometimes because sometimes smaller companies might, I mean, they don't have any reviews. Yeah. Well, I was at a company and um, the CEO ended up getting bored and turning her attention to the dev team. And I saw the writing on the wall and got out before she sacked about 30 people of that 30 person dev team. Um, and then, you know, we kind of wrote reviews on Glassdoor. We were like, you know, other developers, please don't work here. If you voice any opinion of dissent, you'll get fired immediately. Really toxic, abusive environment. And then the CEO forced everybody else at the company to then go write counter reviews. So there's all sorts of just behavior like that, that you, you have to be good at sifting through and figuring out what's people being pissed off or what's malicious to find the truth underneath. Well, what you just described was just a shitty work culture. It wasn't oh, yeah. necessarily sexist. It just, was, no. it was just ist, like right. lamest, whatever you want to call it. Like those are just not bad places. Those are bad places to work. Yes. But at the same time, like, um, as a woman, you'll all often face struggles or you'll face like underlying harassment and like harassers are really good at doing it, and not getting caught. Right. And so it can be really hard to even create a paper trail or find something to report. 
Um, and so even if you're looking at a shitty company that doesn't mention sexism, you have to understand if something does happen, is the leadership going to be a supportive or be even open to hearing your complaint in that environment? So that's something you have to think about. And how would you figure that out though? I mean, it's, that's, that's tough to tell. I mean, I mean, it's tough to figure out. Yeah. And you just have to be really good at asking questions and seeing how people respond to it. Um, what are, what are a couple questions that would be, that would be advised to ask? Um, for me personally, a lot of what I do in a, in a work search is I will ask questions about how leadership responds to conflicts and situations. Like if they have two engineers arguing or something like that, or people are really going at it, how do they re resolve that conflict? Um, and it can be really easy to understand where they come from as people. Um, a lot of times I'll ask, actually ask, um, to work on site for a couple hours with the team, because when you're interviewing, they're rolling out the red carpet, right? They're trying to impress you. They're trying to woo you. Oh, they're finally going to get to check their diversity box now that they have a woman, right? Um, that's what I call binders full of woman diversity versus people who actually care about diversity. Um, but just being on site, they're not on their best behavior. And so you can get a sense pretty quickly, just the way the tone is in the hallway of what kind of place that would be to work at. Do you know that at full scale, I just did the math and, and less than 5% of our total employees are white men. Yeah, because all of our employees are not white. Well, I know. I'm Filipinos. Just, I, I was just feeling, I was feeling like a big win for diversity there. Okay. So step, step oh two then God. is to diversify no this way. podcast guest lineup. We have a of white dudes. I saw uh, you had Darcy yeah, on earlier. Yeah. It's hard. Well, I mean, and that it's actually, that's not intentional. Um, it never is intentional. Yeah. I mean, some of it, well, and that's the thing though. So like, just from a realist point of view, if we're going to talk about startups and tech, and the issue that you've got there is, okay, we identified that it's dude centric and that's not just tech. That's like often like on the world of entrepreneur yep. business. And, yeah. Kind of business and and I don't know if that's, I mean, on some now, I don't think that sexism and, and prejudice and all these different things exist in anywhere you look and there, there are any, but there are certain things that so, I think some personality types and possibly sexes gravitate towards just, I mean, it's, I wasn't pushed into entrepreneurs. Like I, I knew at a very early age, it was almost like I was born. It's in to, your blood. Yeah. It was in my blood. And, you know, and I see that same thing in my, all my daughter wanted for Christmas was a lemonade stand. Like I have goosebumps talking about that. Like that means a lot to me. So like, I do think that there's some genetic parts of that, but when you talk about like the diversification of, of the lineup or something, and that's a challenge. Cause you know, you want that, some pro tips. Well, that's one of the, one of the reasons why, you know, I invited you to come do this. Cause I, we even talked about that. It was not just about diversification or, or having to do with someone's, uh, uh, any type of orientation in general. It was literally like, here we are in Kansas city and all of our guests are from here. There's a limited pool, you know? And then there was, you know, like, so who are some of the female Aaron Falk, Darcy's been on. We have some a few that are coming actually that that we haven't published yet that we've, we've had recorded. A few female uh, founders. Yeah, yeah, Rachel. Um, some some others coming, but you're bunch, right. I mean, a bunch of different ones. A lady from Video Fizz. Yeah, uh, Innovate. Right, Lauren. Um, Rachel Qualls. And um, a few a few, few come ones, and yeah. a few coming in, and then and and either this week or next week. And that was actually part of like looking at the own list and we were saying, well, it wasn't about just trying to find male or female. It's also about trying to diversify our subject matter. Diversity means more than just white women. Because, well, I, yeah, but I meant just like as a startup hustle, like we didn't want this to just be a podcast about software 
or technology. Like a band is a startup, yeah, right? a, a, a company that does all different kinds of things. Like recently we've had like the Casey Soda hemp. company was here. We had a hemp uh, company, a beef company. Like, I mean, that's out there. That's a lot different, but yeah. So, and yes, we would love the pro tips. Okay. Um, cause one of the things I hear from either podcast hosts or conference organizers that they're like, okay, well I've done my research. I've reached out to women. I've emailed them and they've declined being on the show. And so you have to understand, um, I, and again, um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with just some of the, the basics of understanding diversity in women, but, um, men will apply for a job if they feel like they have 60% of the requirements for that job. Have you heard this? No. no. Women will not apply for that job unless they feel like they have 100% or more of the requirements for that job. And that applies across the board. So that means if you ask them to be on a podcast and for some reason they don't think they're quite qualified enough, they're going to say no. Um, and a lot of that is from uh, the idea that us failing comes with such harsher punishment. Hmm. Um, I reference this all the time. There's a great XKCD comic and there are two guys up at a whiteboard and one of them's drawing and the one says, wow, you suck at math. And then there's another whiteboard and there's a girl doing the drawing and the guy and he says, wow, girls suck at math. And that is the perfect way to describe how women feel because we understand that our failure isn't our failure as an individual. Often it's a failure on a reflection of women. And so women have been taught to, you know, really hold back unless they're absolutely qualified. And then you look at the women's team who just won the goddamn fucking cup and are getting called arrogant. And so that is the world we live in. And that is the society that we have been trained by and raised by, which is why, like, you're going to have obnoxious, mouthy bitches like me, right? Who will just do whatever and say whatever, because I understand I need to help forge a path, but not everybody is like that. And so you might be missing out on talented, brilliant, amazing women because they don't feel like they're qualified. So one question I have for you is you, you mentioned like that 60, 100% thing. How much of that do you think is potentially American culture versus like a worldwide culture? Because I, I would actually think that, that that what you just described actually in the Philippines is the men and the women both don't want to fail at all costs. Well, that's true. But all right. So and like their perception of that, I think, is, is different a, from a culture. There's a copy of my second book sitting right in front of you. And like in somewhere in the second chapter, I talk about back and it was in 2009 when I first hired people in the Philippines. And I, I I had hired two people and then I wanted to expand. So I had them find other people for me to hire. And one of the employees found a woman that had worked with him somewhere else and he wanted to pay her half. And I asked him why. And he said, cause she's a woman. And I was like, uh, uh, no, 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 that's not how we're going to do this guy. And you know, like, and, and like that, it, it's an issue here, but in some places, man, it's like 1927 still. Okay. Total sidebar for that, by yeah. the way. Um, for any women listening to this podcast, <clears throat> the next time you are interviewing for a job, do not answer their question about what your previous salary was. It's starting to become illegal in a lot of different states across the U.S., but the only way we will ever, like, you know, beat the, the gender pay gap is by not always getting pay based off our previous pay. If you were previously paid lower and you're using that as a starting point for the next job, you're still going to get paid lower. Yeah, that's a So great you point. do not need to share your previous salary. Sure, sure. Yeah, so, and, but you talk about, like, but the foreign culture, like, yeah, there is, um, and, you know, obviously the Philippines will, and it's so hard to organize lump Asia into a giant group. But, but when you talk to our employees over there, like they really will, they'll express that. Like we've had people, we, we've had to change the way. So, you know, part of the way our business works is we're set up to help businesses scale up and scale down. And we structured so much around the way we built full scale to not be a quote project organization, because when projects end, 
like so there was a well a it created fear that they were going to get laid off and then b it was in some ways almost seen as failure so as when we offboard people from teams and like there's so many reasons that could occur like the project like the 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 sprint's done um there it's a budget thing or just something maybe they just like not they don't need eight people anymore. but they take the failure big time well they do okay and yeah. we had a couple of people at first when we move them from one team to another they quit because mm-hmm. they you know so we had to kind of change the way we approach that that uh and that wasn't well that wasn't necessarily well they were all guys but well i think part of my my point here was just Mm -hmm. you know culturally between americans and outside americans how do you think some of these these issues uh may be different i mean you do some international speaking and stuff right i mean you've you've been a been around the world a little bit and been some different places. Yeah, is it yeah. bad or other places than here? Like, where are we? Are we like in the middle of the road? Are we good? Are we bad? Are we ugly? Um, I it, it so depends. And some areas are so different because, you know, you've got countries like Sweden that are really doing things right. But um, shoot, where was I? I think I was in Hungary giving a talk and I had, um, you know, politely but firmly called out somebody on some sexism that occurred in their talk. And this woman was standing nearby and she came up to me and she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you said that. No woman here would ever say that to a man. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so it just it's so different country to country. Where was that? I, uh, I think this was in Budapest in Hungary um, okay. that conference was at. Uh, so it really changes. But like when you talk about, um, you know, some Asian cultures and some Indian cultures, they are cultures that have heavily family influence and they are, you know, only STEM careers are really seen as quote unquote success. And so I think a lot of that is within their culture and within their failure values. And it, it affects the men and the women the same. And I think Americans have just moved to the point that we're on a country that's built on rebellion, essentially. And so we're way more enabled here to be autonomous as our own humans. And I think that's why you see more of the disparity because the men can take that to their full advantage versus when a woman tries to do that in America, she's obnoxious she's bragging she's arrogant so i think some of that i think the the recent like the me too stuff is helpful like dude if you're gonna be creepy like these guys call them out man do it but i that, mean that's you're what a bitch freaks for me that's that. what how dare you out. ruin his life no fuck that ruin his life these guys are creepy man like i don't get like i don't i'm not i don't pride myself on not being a creep in that regard or but I any mean, regard this is at such a huge level though like the outburst that happened when when kavanaugh got his seat like just the other week we had a judge ruling in favor of a young man who raped a woman because he didn't want to ruin that boy's potential like that is the society we live in this is 2019 and this shit is still happening all the time women are being told our bodies are not valued and and that's our normal and I think you don't realize that unless you're in the thick of it every day, but we've got a lot of work to do. So we never really mentioned any statistics or anything. And I, I feel like you might have some. Do we know like what percentage of tech jobs are women compared to men or like have a ballpark? And like and I would say like lump that whole like maybe tech companies. Yeah. Like, are there stats on that? There have to oh, be. Oh, I know there are. Um, I haven't seen anything recently. And then every year, the um, a company called Smart Asset does a survey. And for like the past three or four years, Kansas City is ranked like number two for cities of women in technology. Oh, good. Um, but it, I was like, and I get phone calls to do interviews about this article every year. And so I finally called the company. I'm like, how are you gauging these metrics? And they were looking at how women got paid. Kansas City was super awesome for that. We were right on par with the men. I was a proud mama. Um, 
but some of the other things they look at are like job um, mobility, meaning how many companies can you move to within the city to grow your career, that kind of thing. Um, but I haven't seen anything specifically like women versus men at tech companies and jobs. And a lot of companies like Google straight up refuse to disclose. So do you think that so we acknowledged earlier, you know, we know there's a, a, a talent shortage. Do you think that that's actually helping bring up the uh, is that is that the gender gap or like the pay gap? I mean, is that bringing the, the female salaries up comparable to the men? Is that changing in any regard? I, I'm yeah. like really ignorant on these subjects. Like I just don't spend a whole lot of time looking at any of this. Well, I think the talent shortage is like a whole, like that could fill a whole nother podcast because well, like sure. we are fundamentally broken at our educational system, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. producing the kind of engineers that we need, right? right? It's just, there's no feasible way to do it. Um, so but, but that's part of it. But supply and demand mm -hmm. inequality um, in the, in the world of economics mm -hmm. change a lot of things because yep. you quit caring. Like when something's plentiful and it's everywhere, you feel like you can be a lot more specific and you can, and, and, but when it's not, and you're like, Hey, this seat's been open and I need this. And regardless of whoever, whoever can do this, come in. Like, I would think that that would be some would be helpful. I think it is too, because like at the bottom line, um, businesses care about numbers, right? right. And if something is going to help them achieve their goals, you know, whether that's hiring more people and whether that means, oh, they have to realize that, oh, maybe it does matter that we have more women working. Maybe we're going to invest in that more. So I think it, it's helping big picture for sure, because at least we're having the conversations. We're having the awareness. We're not having to scream at the top of our lungs anymore. Um, and people are just open the conversations and seeing what they can do to support and help and make an effort. I feel like we need to have some follow-up statistics. Cause I find this to be pretty interesting, you know, like, I mean, really with the talent shortage. So like what Matt had mentioned earlier is, um, I, I had seen an article that came out in 2017 there's 250,000 empty tech jobs. These aren't just, these are unfillable. Like there aren't people to do them. And it represented $21 billion well, it, worth it's, of, of salary value. At, at Stackify right now, the best thing I can do is go hire somebody who currently works at Garmin and I steal them from Garmin and then Garmin still has an open seat. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's musical chairs. Well, we, and we, and when I talked with someone about this recently, it's just moving things from one bucket to another. Yeah. So we're not necessarily making more of any of that. Well, and that's conversations I've had with employers before when they're like, Hey, we care about diversity. And I'm like, Hey, here's how to sponsor my organization. Here's how to get involved. Here's how to have your people mentor. And they're like, Oh no, I just meant, why don't you come work here? And I'm like, that's not diversity. That's a change of goddamn scenery for me. Like that's doing nothing at the end of the day, just passing buckets, like you said. Right. Right. So, yep. So yeah, but that, and that's, a, I mean, we like, need net new talent. And by the way, this, mm -hmm. the talent shortage and all, and all of that, that's like a 10 topic subject. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, and it's deep and it's, it, and so many people think that we're solving this like now <laughs> we're not even close. And you know, that we've talked to people about that with full scale because you know, that's in some of the, the perception things. So um, you mentioned earlier, you're talking about an, uh, um, jobs leaving the Midwest and going to the coast. Well, actually, Ryan Weber was in here from the Tech Council and had stats that were, or, and he was presenting them at the CEO retreat saying that, well, Kansas City, at least, is trending upward. Like we have more tech jobs. Now, I don't know what's driving that, but that he had mentioned something like 13,000 like the jobs had grown. I'm not sure. I know he doesn't include any of our statistics that we provide him in his report. So I can't speak to that. Oh, wow. I didn't know. But yeah. And I, <laughs> and I don't know where that, I mean, I don't know where that comes from, but, um, and you know, that's a, that's another thing too. It's like, I, it's, and statistics is such a int weird and interesting thing. Like, I mean, 
you get you had these people that like used to sell cigarettes and tobacco and you know they're they're putting out these these studies like they're clearly jaded and in and, and sociology 101 like the first thing they tell you is you have to always look at what the source of the information is and and where that's coming from so you actually you actually disagree with the number that the tech jobs have gone up locally you do still think that they're migrating to the coasts or um i don't think it's bad as it was a couple of years ago i think we've gotten a lot better as a community okay mm-hmm. so one question i have for you is do you think anybody can learn to be a software engineer at a high level or do you think it takes a very special personality skill set? Um, people will argue with me, um, but I think anybody can learn. And one of the things that I tell women in particular who are trying to learn how to code, like this is no different from learning to dance ballet. This is something new. It's something foreign. You have to train your brain to think in a different way to make this happen. Some people, they're going to catch on really quickly. Some people aren't going to catch on as quickly. Um, But all that matters is that effort and that perseverance, right? Like this isn't something that you can just learn in a book all the time and expect things to be static. Like the more open you are to change and continuous learning, the more successful you're going to be as an engineer. And I don't see why anybody can't do that. I'm open to all the change, the learning and all that, but I think I'd be a terrible web developer. I don't write code. And that's just be, it's my personality type. It's well, and not, that it doesn't really it. it doesn't really agree with me. Like I get yeah, I, I feel like it's a software development, and, and it could be all forms of engineering, but at least software developers are usually a different breed and personality. Well, you say that now, but that is based on a what has been a largely homogenous culture. Um, and you're starting to see people who can get up, they can present, they can talk, they can engage with people, they're charismatic. And so part of that is just bringing more diverse talent into that and getting a wider, wider pool and variety of people. That being said, like my, my speaker friends and I definitely call the other people, the normies, um, because we love writing code and we love being fucking nerds or whatever. Um, but I still think it's open and accessible to anybody if they're willing to invest. Well, and I think software development has also gotten a lot easier as well. It's gotten a lot easier, and that makes it even easier. I would more disagree well, with well, that. Parts of it have. I mean, because you've talked about this before, that a large portion of it is kind of turning into software assembly. Mm-hmm. And then, but you still have these like really remarkably complex well, problems learning, that senior talent but, is always usually going to have a better a, chance of solving than someone that's got there, no experience. And a good example of this, there's a massive difference between being a good C++ developer and knowing how to write JavaScript. <laughs> there are orders of magnitude of difference there. And yep. That's what I'm talking about. But why? I, we could spend all day talking about Well, so, okay, that. if you look at me, like, as a kid, bored in high school, deploying a website, what did I do? I wrote some HTML, I threw some CSS in there, and then I dumped all those files via FileZilla to, like, GeoCities or whatever. Mm-hmm. Today, you're going to have to learn an application. You're going to have to, you know, pick a deployment service. You're going to have to compile your CSS. If people are super pretentious, you're going to have to compile your JS because they want to write coffee script. There are all these sub steps. A lot of and, little tools yeah. and things to learn. And the problem with that is... But none it, of them are as hard as learning C++ and pointers. <laughs> but like you have all this like contextual knowledge yeah. if you started in you the do. industry at a certain point. And like that's there are a something, lot of tools, a lot of things to know. Yeah. And we struggle like how do you like coding and cocktails? How do you take that inherent knowledge and teach somebody how to get into web development when they didn't go through all those subsequent steps? Like we're anthropologists of yeah. the internet at this point. But my But my point there is to learn C++, you need a computer science degree. You need to understand like some crazy complicated stuff to really do it. That is nothing compared to just writing some JavaScript. Like I feel, I feel like my anybody ten- can stack overflow copy pasta. I, I feel like my ten year old can write some JavaScript, and I could teach him in a few hours to do some really basic stuff. 
Don't make me getting read. him to don't do. Make, don't make me read. Baby loves coding. It's right there, right next. Getting, to getting him to do anything remote, remotely useful in C plus plus is a whole different world. She looks at Baby Loves Coding and asks, which one is that? Are there more of those? Yeah, because there was a really cute one that came out, but then you started to look at it and it had some semantically incorrect stuff in it. And we're like, I was like, damn it, I can't buy this just out of like we haven't, wrongness. Are you going to, oh, are, you re- are you ready to oh, play? Oh, all right. Are you ready for Baby Loves Coding? Yes. And this is how we're going to end this episode of Startup right. Hustle. So now, but I want to say, if you fail, we don't consider it a failure at, at, for, for women. <laughs> Uh, well played. Well played, sir. Baby always follows the same steps to get from the rug to the toy box and back again. Oh, so this is like very abstract and conceptual. This pattern of steps is called an... Wait, sorry. Say that again. I was too distracted. Baby always follows the same steps to get from the rug to the toy box and back again. This pattern of steps is called an... I don't know. Maybe a little too abstract for my brain right now. What are they considering it? An algorithm. Oh, okay. Like you need more context before asking the questions. <laughs> the By the way, that was Matt's help. that was Matt's gift to me for Christmas last year. Yeah. And he uh, still can't code. <clears throat> I, I'm never gonna learn to, man. Like and and that's fine. Be, and but back to that, you know, that and as we kind of wind this down, but you know, I, I do think that, that your personality style, and I just meaning like your core personality style, I'm not talking like whether you're a nerd or whether you like sports or whether you do something else. It's like literally like type A, type B kind of stuff. Like I'm, I'm a high type A person. And, and that does like that. I think that's why being an entrepreneur agree because I'm risk aversion is I like, I'm not, I don't get, I'm not concerned about risk. Like that's just not something that, that where type B, like my wife is, and uh, she's like, she would be worried to death about certain things. And, and you know, like last night, and I told you I ran into to, uh, one of your relatives last night. And I mean, I, I spoke in front of 100 people. I didn't prepare anything. And someone that I, re- that I ran into, I hadn't seen for a while, I was talking to his wife. And he spoke right before me. And he came back. He's like, man, I'm just way out of my comfort zone. And I was like, why? He's like, I just don't like talking in front of people. Like, you know, so, I mean, there's just certain things that I think you did, regardless of how hard you try, like people, okay, my wife's afraid of public speaking. So was I. And well, you you are fine here now. Now but, I worked my ass off. <laughs> right, but but it, on some level, like so, there are a lot of people that will. Are you comfortable with it now? Did you? Oh like, God, yeah. Okay, so but there are. I didn't used to be either. There's a mm-hmm. but there's a lot and but you in to support what you said earlier, you just got to do it. Mm-hmm. You got to keep doing it and doing it. Like we, at, at our house, like with our kids, we play a game, we call it stage. They stand up near the fireplace, which is just like, you know, one brick tall or whatever. And we have them present. They talk. Cause you know, and that's important to my wife too. Cause she doesn't want to have, she doesn't want our kids to, to feel frightened. And like, she will literally like want to throw up. Um, so cute story real quick. Uh, at Coder Dojo, uh, we're, we're big on all those soft skills, right? So yeah, we're teaching kids to code. We're teaching them programmatic concepts. We care about so much more. We care about peer mentoring. But one of the things we do is if they complete their project on prompt and there's no cuss words or like gore or violence or whatever, because you know, 10 year old boys have their preferences for shooting aliens. Um, we allow them to come up and present their projects. And so they get up on stage, they say their name, they say how old they are. And the question we ask them to answer is, what is the hardest problem you had to solve? Because we want them thinking about the challenges they faced and how they overcame them. And instead of, quote unquote, bragging to the audience, sharing their struggles so other kids feel empowered. Um, And 
I swear, like normally we call for presentations at 11.15 a.m. And if it is 11.16 a.m. and we have not called for presentations yet, we have a line of kids being like, well, you haven't called for presentations. I need to get my project checked in so I can present. And it just, it, it's the coolest thing to see. That's great. Yep. Okay. So if you get a chance, go to caseywomenintech.org. Um, Jennifer, are there some places where we can find you and your organization on, on, online? On, on the social medias. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at L I K E O M G I T S F E D A Y. Long story. Um, you can follow Casey Witt at Casey Women in Tech. Um, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. I think my team is on Snapchat. Like that's my old person line drawing thing. Like I refuse to get on Snapchat, but I think we, we post our events on there. Um, uh, yeah. And meetup.com. Okay. So earlier I said that I was going to assume the role of a woman looking in technology. Can I ease back out of that role as we end this or do, should I just keep moving forward with it? I'm willing to, to give it a shot. Huh? Do it. Yeah. Thank you. I, I feel, I feel much better about that. Anyway, if you get a chance, check us out on uh, Instagram. That's at startup hustle podcast. Um, look, don't let anybody tell you you can do something or you can't do something. Just get out there and fucking do it, people. Word. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.